scripture passage this morning. It comes from the book of Ephesians, as we've been going through, and it's chapter 4, verses 20 through chapter 5, verse 4. So it will be up on the screen for you. It also um, is the translation of the Bibles that are in the backs of your pews, so if you would like to follow along. Um, just a heads up, those Bibles are a little bit older. They're not like the quite updated version, so there are some different words. But if you'd like to follow along on the screen, you can do that too. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught, with regard to your former way of life, to put off your old self which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin, do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you there must not even be, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity foolish talk or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. May God's word shape us and form us. Thank you, Erica. We are continuing in our Ephesian series, uh, Becoming a Community of Blessing. And the first three chapters of Ephesian is focused on the foundation, or the identity of the church, the doctrine of being church and what Christ did and what God did to, be, to build the foundation for us um, as a body, as Christ's body, being built up as a new temple, a new people. Ephesians 4 switches gears to the more practical, the ethical, the follow. These are the commands now. Now that you're a new people, now that we're a new people, here's how you should live. It's always a tricky turn, right, when you talk about ethics or commands or doing uh, because it flows out of identity and as Christians we talk about grace and even Paul 
as mentioned it before, it's like, this is something that God and Christ has done so that no one can boast. It's not you doing things. And yet, you turn the page and he's saying, now live like this. Right? Now cast off the, your former ways of life, the things that you did, and do this, do this, don't do that. And so how do you make that turn? And that's a challenge. I might not answer it here. Uh, but we'll give it a shot. We act like the clothes we wear. We act like the clothes we wear, right? Or we may wear the clothes of how we feel. Uh, let me expound on that. So when I, I play a lot of sports, particularly Ultimate Frisbee, when I go out and play sports, I want to feel good, feel athletic, feel like competitive, feel intimidating, right, to the opponent. So I like to wear all tech gear, like the dry fit, moisture wicking, lightweight, waterproof material. I like to wear all black, right? And even if it's raining and cold outside, I'll wear black undergarments. My, I like to wear black cleats and black shorts and black tights so that I can go there and be like, oh, my opponent would be like, oh, he's, he's legit, right? He's intimidating. He's an enforcer. Um, even though I might not be at all. Uh, but it just gives that aura of confidence, aggressiveness, and like athleticism. And black is slimming, right? So you look like skinnier and stuff like that. So if I don't, if I were like going out there in yellow shorts with a yellow shirt, I wouldn't feel as fast. I wouldn't feel as athletic. I wouldn't feel these things. So clothes, we act like the clothes we wear. Does that make sense? So I have uh, the Asian curse of looking younger than I am, right? I'm uh, usually people are like, are you 20? Are you in college? No, I'm 43. And people are like, what, what, what? You're 43. And that's a curse because as a pastor, and a professional, sometimes I want to be taken seriously. I want to be respected. I want to have authority, right? And so if I want to look older, what do I do? I dress up. I wear a button-down shirt. I tuck in my shirt. I wear glasses sometimes. Like, my prescription is, like, really, 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 really light. It's basically non-existent, right? But, you know... The optometrist did say, you could wear glasses if you wanted. I'm like, yes, finally, I get to wear glasses. And so if I want to be professional and older looking, I'll put on, I'm giving you insight into my own vanity here. Um, but we dress, we act like the clothes we wear. And sometimes um, there are those days where I feel bloated. And fat, yes, men feel that way too. Uh, and what will I wear, right, that day? I'll wear my sweatpants and a hoodie, right? The hoodie has the pockets, so people are like, that's not, is that your belly or is that the pockets, right? And so it just covers everything. <laughs> you know where I'm coming from. Um, but if I don't care, if I just want to be me, be comfortable, be relaxed in my own skin. I'm at home. What do I wear? I wear gym shorts or jogger pants and a t-shirt and I just lounge. The other thing is facial hair, right? 
right? We're in November, so a lot you'll see a lot of men growing out their facial hair. Um, and uh, I, too, have new facial hair. You might be able to see it, like, right there. You're really close. You zoom in with your camera. Uh, facial hair is like clothing, right? It's an accessory. And uh, so I was, uh, I am not gifted. I've always envied kind of the five o'clock shadow that people can grow and or the full beards that people can grow. I'm like, that's so cool, right? Uh, all I have is this, usually I just have a stinger and like this chin hair and then the mustache can come in like sparsely. I'm not sure it'll even grow full. I'm, I'm seeing this month. Um, but it's, it's an accessory. Uh, it's like clothing that makes you feel different. And so I was looking up oh, types of facial hairstyles. that, And I wanted to see something to affirm myself, to confirm that what I'm able to grow is can actually be a style, right? And not just like, so I know a style is like the stinger, but mine doesn't go all the way down and connect with this. Uh, and then there's the goatee, but I don't have this corner hairs don't connect. <laughs> like they do like one, like one hair at a time connects down there, but it, you don't have the full connection. So I'm like, but then I finally saw a picture uh, of a man with mustache, stinger, and like chin hair, and it was not connected. And they were like, this is a great style, especially if you have a round oval face and not a prominent chin, which is totally me. So I'm like, now I can give the illusion of having a longer face and a more pronounced chin just from this facial hair. So I feel like George Clooney or something up here <laughs> with this facial hair. So we act like the clothes we wear. We act like the clothes we wear. And sometimes we put on clothes um, to be a certain way, to, to live out a certain role um, or station in life. And Paul uses this imagery here when he says, uh, be made new in the attitude of your minds and put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness. I'm in verse 24, 23 and 24. In true righteousness and holiness. He goes on later to say, take off, right? Take off the things uh, you did in the past. And we see earlier in the chapter uh, of chapter four, uh, Paul mentions that we should live a life worthy of the calling. And Erica mentioned this, right? Now that we are adopted sons and daughters, now that we have become a new community reconciled together. Now that we are new citizens in this kingdom of heaven, it's a calling, right? It's a specific calling. And you need to live your life worthy of that calling. And here's the thing. is God has done everything in Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit has sealed us to empower us to live a life of faith, sealed us to have access uh, to God, and, and sealed us to have acceptance, to have adoption um, as sons and daughters. And we're to, he's already done these things. He's already redeemed us. He's already saved us. He's already 
forgiveness. He's already cleansed our life and he set out before us an identity like you are my children. That's already been done. You can't take that away. But now it's what does it look like to live into that identity? Right? What does it mean to live like the clothes that you're wearing? Right? If I were to stand up here and have ripped jeans and a dirty white t-shirt with mud on it, or even my athletic, intimidating gear, you'd be like, oh, that doesn't make sense. I don't, I don't know. And that's what Paul is saying. You used to live before you knew. You used to live as the Gentiles did, which is confusing because he's talking about reconciliation of the Jews and Gentiles. And like, why is he now saying, don't live like those Gentiles do? Don't live like you used to do. And I was thinking about this, and I plugged in another word. What is the culture that we live in? What is the society that we live in now? So I, I came up with the word Americans, right? Stop living like Americans. <laughs> Stop living like Americans. Your former way of life. Put off your old self, which is being corrupted. And before we think, oh, he's against Americans in America. <laughs> I can say anything, right? You see what I'm saying? It's stop living like the culture around you, the culture of your context, right? The culture that isn't founded on God, on Christ. Stop living like that. Because the culture around us, the society around us, is based on grabbing for things, right? fighting and striving for happiness. And in the world we live in, there is a lack of resources. There is a lack of resources. And there are the people that have, and there are people that have not. And in a lot of ways, if we are trying to get a job, if we're trying to uh, make a life, we build up our, some of us build up a resume, right? We put ourselves, our best foot forward, we cite our accomplishments. Look what I've done. Look what I'm doing. Right? This should mean you, uh, I am valuable. Or you should take me and you should pay me this amount. Right? If you look at our political, uh, the political world, it's constant like fighting. Right? Jockeying for position for a certain set of values to be brought forth for us to win and them to lose. Mm. We're fighting. We're fighting. If you look at kids after a pinata has been broken, right? They're fighting, they're fighting for candy, right? There's probably enough candy, but it's like, there might not be enough, and I need to get the candy, so there's a scramble. And we're like that. We don't think there's enough resources. We don't think there's enough happiness. We don't think there's enough time. We don't think there's houses out there, money to be made, um, security to be had. We don't think there's enough of that, so we grab, 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 grab. It's not just economic, it's emotional too. Belonging, being wanted, right? We all have desires, desires to be um, 
attractive, desire to be longed for, the desire to belong to someone, to belong to a people, right? And we, and the media and commercials feed off of that longing and desire, right? If you look like this, if you dress like this, you will be wanted. If you wear this, I love cologne and perfume commercials, right? Desire. You wear this and this will, it'll like all these people will come to you and you'll find true love, right? The man end of that is axe spray, like spray the axe spray and all of a sudden, ah, you'll be the most popular guy. Advertising is like, it's picking out our desires, right? It's pinpointing our desires. And they know what people want. They know what's going to draw people. Right? And they hit it. And Paul knows too. So if we go through this list, um, what I did was, and I wish I made a slide for it, what I, what I did was I basically... Uh, turned everything into a positive. So there's parts where he says, do not do this, do not do this. So if we read verse 25. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. 25. So I said 25 is be truthful, be honest. Right? Live truthfully. Live honestly. 26. In your anger... Do not sin. Um, do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And this is interesting. Actually, in other versions, like NRSV, for instance, verse 26 is translated, be angry, but do not sin. Right? It says, be angry, but do not sin. NIV here is, in your anger, do not sin. So Paul is not saying... Don't be angry. Don't be angry. So the positive flip that I, uh, in reading this, I was like, what is the thing that we're shooting for? In verse 26, and I said self-control and short accounts. Right? And I think sometimes the problem in our culture and the problem in the church is that uh, how, is how we deal with anger. Right? We say, oh, I shouldn't feel angry because anger is bad. Anger is sinful. And so let me shove it down and hide it, which actually causes a lot of problems down the road. Right? That'll just, if you let anger fester, right? And that's what Paul is saying. Don't let the sun go down on anger. You're going to have, you're going to have anger. And in fact, anger, it, there are good parts of anger. We should feel angry at injustice. We should feel angry when people are hurt by others. But in that anger, do not sin. And sin happens when you let the sun go down on your anger, when you don't do anything about it, when you shove it down, when you hide it. But actually, it goes back to, I think the general theme here is speak Truth and love. Paul says that earlier in chapter 4. Speak truth and love. And in 25, speak truthfully. Be honest. In our anger, 
if we as a community and as a body, instead of shoving things down or doing the passive aggressive thing, we're more like, oh, there's conflict here. I have a problem or I see this person doing the wrong thing and address speaking truth to that person saying, hey, that is hurtful or hey, let's talk about this. That is what builds the community of faith, the community of blessing, the beloved community, not shoving it down. Um, we go on. Verse 28, anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their hands that they may have something to share with those in need. And what I kind of summarized that in the positive sense was be generous, be diligent, and be generous. What is the opposite of stealing? Right. And it's interesting, uh, just as, as a side note, man, this church must have been really interesting because he doesn't say people are perfect in the church. He's like, everyone, you stop stealing. He's telling people in the church, stop stealing, people. <laughs> right? Stop brawling. <laughs> I'm like, there are people in the church brawling? That's awesome. I mean, that's not awesome, but it's funny to think about. Um, be generous. Right? And actually, the end of that is, and give to others, um, share with others according to their need. Be generous and share. What's the flip side of a culture of grabbing? Is building up a culture of what, what keeps us from climbing the ladder and building our towers of Babel, right, for power, for influence, for control, is looking at people who have need, sharing with those in need. Why do you think the marginalized are called marginalized? Because they're not looked at, they're forgotten. Right? They're the people in the struggle that are pushed aside. So if we started looking at those people and that became our value, we go from having this vertical tower living, climbing a tower, to being a, right, a sharing, horizontal, flattened culture where we're, we're mutual, there's mutuality. And that's what, that tower, vertical tower, Mentality versus mutuality. Hold on to that for future weeks. Um, be generous. And then he doubles up on uh, that according to their needs in verse 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And this is where all the spouses in the house are looking at their spouses and going, mm-hmm. And this is where Janice says to me, mm-hmm. Read that. Right? I'm like, go unwholesome talk. Filter, filter. I right? Do not let unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, 
How uh, did I translate this? Be encouraging. Be uplifting. Consider others better than yourself. Consider others' needs more important than your agenda. Than you getting attention. Or you pushing your agenda forward. Actually, look to the people in need and uplift them. Encourage them. And that same idea of sharing with people who need, right? But in this sense, it's not like necessarily material goods or resources that you're sharing. What you're sharing is airtime. What you're sharing is attention. What you're sharing is affirmation and praise, right? What you're sharing is encouragement. All the stuff you're trying to get from other people, encouragement, affirmation, praise, glory, I'm the center, I'm beautiful, I'm good, I'm the best, I'm gifted, right? I'm worthy. Actually flip that, flip the script and do that for other people because other people need that. And when we do that, that's what's going to build us up as a community. Amen? Amen. Yeah. Stop being selfish. Stop being self-absorbed. Stop looking out for me, right? Stop singing my prerogative, right? <laughs> Actually, look, for, look to others, and that'll flatten things out. That'll change the culture of infighting and, like, you know, struggle and conflict. That's a community of reconciliation, when we let go of our own agendas because we fear we won't get it unless we fight for it and we share. Woo! I always thought about this when, you know, we teach, we try to teach like elementary kids and preschool kids to share. Right? Now Isaiah, share with Cammy. Share your food. Cammy, share. Okay, I'll do different names. Henry, share with Susanna. Susanna, share with Henry. But I'm like, what do the kids actually see us doing? How do they see us sharing? Okay. Right, we think it's like a simple, basic thing that every kid needs to learn at a certain age. But what we do we model sharing? Like, in what way do they see us sharing? Verse 30, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Do not grieve the Spirit of God. Um, the positive flip in this is please the Spirit. Right? Be Spirit-led. And what, does, what has Paul been saying that the Spirit is all about? The Spirit, one, seals us in the promises of Christ. The Spirit, two, has given us access to God. Right? And the Spirit, three, gives us the inner power to actually sustain a faithful, this faithful living that he's been talking about. Right? The Spirit is our real-time like helper, empower, access giver right? that helps us to live the life worthy of the calling. Do not grieve the Spirit. And I, I read a commentary that I was talking about 
It's like parents, right? Don't grieve your mom and dad. What does that mean? What does that, what does that mean, grieve? Right? Your parents, your mom and dad aren't going to stop being your mom and dad, even when you disappoint them. Right? But you can grieve them by your actions, but they're not going to say, you are no longer my child. And that's the same way. I think Paul is saying, right? You are God's children. You owe, he's adopted you. You're in, right? But you know what? You can grieve God's heart. You can grieve the spirit. Don't grieve the spirit, right? And then he goes on with the list. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ he forgave you. And turning to chapter 5, this is one of those sermon passages where you don't end at the chapter, you actually go to the beginning of 5. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love. That's the key thing. How do we become a community of blessing? How do we be, live uh, the, with clothes of the kingdom? Is to walk in the way of love. How do we know how to walk in the way of love? Follow the example of Christ. And what is the example of Christ? He gave everything up. Just as Christ loved us and gave himself up as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God, and here's a, here's a word you don't really hear a lot in our culture, sacrifice, right? Live sacrificially, ooh, what? Ouch, there's discipleship right there. We talked about this as a, a cohort of pastors, and people are like, people just don't sacrifice anymore. They don't sacrifice for the church. They don't sacrifice for God. It's too easy. We've gotten used to our com being comfortable. And then I was like, I flipped it on us. Ah, when things don't work out, pastors just leave churches. They leave their calling. Right? When things get hard, we complain. Right? We, think, we think everything should be good and comfortable. But sometimes there's sacrifice. There's sacrifice in the call. Living the call of faithfulness means sacrifice. Just as Christ giving up, he was equal to God, but descended. And remember uh, the passage last week, the, all the ascended and descended, right? Stuff. Christ had to descend before it, we can witness his ascending, right? That's what gave, that's what flattened everything out. That's what flipped the script, is that he descended. And that model is there for us. We need to descend, look to other people, sacrifice. Are you with me, church? Walk in the way of love. It all comes down to love. And if you look, if you look at all the issues of power and control, in our world, as Americans, in our government, all around us, what if people actually sacrificed for one another and gave and walked in the way of love? 
it would be world-changing. Christ loved and sacrificed. Right? So in closing, I'll close as Paul closed. Sexual immorality, impurity, greed, stop cussing, stop joking around, uh, which are out of place, but rather thanks. You find yourself whining a lot? You find yourself complaining a lot lately in life? I, I do. I complain about the traffic, and then the coarse talking <laughs> comes out of my mouth. Yes, even pastors. Because right? I can't get to where I want to in the time I want to. And people are in my way, right? And so all the obscene talk, the foolish talk, the coarse talking. But how do you reverse that in your What is gratitude? What is thanksgiving? <coughs> and it's really timely that this passage is here, right before Thanksgiving. What is gratitude? It's having your palms open, having, letting your heart be receptive, vulnerable, humble, like a child. Instead of being taking, grabbing, right? In <coughs> uh, forceful initiative. Being like, God, thank you. Remembering the things that we do have. Remembering the blessings that we've been given and also waiting for more blessing. Waiting for God um, to help us, to provide for us. Waiting for people in the community to share with us in our need. Like asking for help. This is all under the umbrella of having a spirit of gratitude and thankfulness. Is we're vulnerable, dependent, and open. Are you with me? Yes. And, you know, Henry <coughs> Nouwen has a great book called Gracias. I think it was Henry Nouwen. Having the disposition of gratitude. Uh, a very simple thing I, I've done is keeping a thankfulness journal, right? Like, just even whatever mood you're in, try to make like a list of five things you're thankful for every morning, every day. If you do that over a long period of time, your attitude, your spirit will actually change. Right? You'll be more loving and a happy person. I need to do that now because I've been grumpy lately. But like, thank, I'm thankful. I'm thankful. I need to be open. We need to be open. Amen then hands up, hearts open. Do not take, do not tear down. Do not, do not go down the spirit spiral of addiction or patterns, but receive the healing, the gifts.